You hear the expression letting go a lot. It's very common in recovery, in 12-step fellowships, in other settings too. It's a theme. It's in a lot of different spiritual traditions, uh, even in clinical settings, even in psychologists' offices, psychiatrists' offices. But what are people talking about when they say that they need to let go or I'm letting go? A lot of the time they mean letting go of people, of anger, of course, letting go of relationships, painful memories, the things and the people in the world that are annoying, that they find irritating, they don't like how they feel about things. But what it boils down to is just one thing. It always comes back to resentment. And the common wisdom on how to do that and how to let go is always the same. It's just various forms of distraction, trying to forget, or ways to evade or to avoid stress. Avoid stress? That is very, very dangerous. You don't want to avoid stress. That will take you down a hole that you may never come back out of. Stress is how we grow. You can't improve spiritual condition without it. We become spiritually perfected by stress. It's necessary. Things have to go wrong. People have to make mistakes. This is not paradise. We lost that a long time ago. The key to survival in this world is to get through the cruelties and the injustices and the imperfections of humanity without it harming us, unfazed. Not in escaping the sources of the stresses, getting away from the person or the thing or the memory of the persons or the things that upset us. We have to not be upset by them in the first place. Just saying, let go, or even I forgive you, isn't really letting go. Relief comes from knowing how to let go, how to let go of resentment, not the things that we resent, but the resentment itself. That means several things. First, immunity to new resentments as they come along, but also meeting the memories of all the events that stir up resentment when you're reliving the past, not getting upset by them again and again and again. That's what letting go is. It's having the grace to see the past but not be affected by it anymore. That's what happens when you let go for real. And it applies to resentment from the future, too. Worry, fear, imagined outcomes. It's all resentment. See? It's not complicated. It's simple. When the temptation to become upset is met with patience, you automatically let go because the resentment never gets inside. Letting go is not pushing out. It isn't, in goes the good air and out goes the bad air. That's silly. That's puerile. It's wishful thinking. Letting go is observing the energy of the resentment, the thought that delivers the negative charge, watching it before it enters so that it falls away, which it does when it is simply observed. Nothing more. And if it did get inside, yeah, it's too late. But don't worry. It damages the body. It damages the mind. We die a little bit more. But even that can be mitigated. How? By the same patience, the same neutrality. That is letting go. So simple. So to say letting go, the term doesn't define what we do so much as it describes a condition, a free condition, a forgiving condition. A person who's under duress, who's being run over with emotion, who's resentful, that person yearns to be free. But free from what? It's an internal agony. They're in pain. They want it to go away. 
there's always a backstory to the pain. So-and-so did this or that, or this is wrong, or that's broke, or things should be this way, but they're that way. Someone died. Someone lied. Whatever it is, it's a dissatisfaction with the way that things are. And there comes after that a restlessness, an irritability, a discontentment, to borrow some narrative. But it isn't the condition that's the cause of the pain. It's our reaction to it. Anytime we respond emotionally to any situation that we come across, that's when we get in trouble. What we think of as problems aren't actually problems until we resent them. Emotional upset of any kind. Then once the emotion is stirred, it gets worse because what follows is a pain that's even deeper. It's more severe. It's more lasting than the original emotion itself. That's called guilt. It comes from our conscience, from God. And if we don't allow it to save us, we run through distractions, and those kill us. It is the wage for playing God, judging. We are not God. And so there's anxiety. It springs out of the original emotion. It's corrective if we listen to it. God doesn't tempt us. That comes from the dark. But he does allow us pain to get our attention so that we'll allow him in to save us from it. If we ignore him, if we cover up the anxiety with distractions, the drugs, the alcohol, the food, the sex, work, internet, <laughs> video games, psychotropic medications, prescriptions, nicotine. If we do that, we sink deeper into the abyss and life becomes unnecessarily painful. We suffer beyond normal suffering, beyond normal growing pains. It's not necessary. It doesn't have to be this way. We're not supposed to live that way. We're supposed to have peace. If you resent, you will suffer. First emotionally, then mentally, then physically, then all of the above then you die, a horrible death caused by the things that you use to feel better, the food, the sex, the drugs. It's a horrible way of living. And there's dreadful pain, there's guilt, shame, anxiety, depression, and getting rid of it, getting rid of that anxiety, getting rid of that discomfort, that's what people mean by letting go. They want the pain to go away. They want the emotional agony to be gone. That's what all bad habits and vices are about. Distraction. Smoothing over the guilty consciences with pleasure. And the thing is, they work. And once you start, you cannot stop. You cannot face the pain. This is addiction. And that's all it is. You don't need counseling to break out of it. You don't need therapy to get rid of it. They can't help. And that's the big problem. We can't willfully rid ourselves of these emotions. That's not within our power. You can't just unload them like unloading a bag of rocks off your back. A problem shared is a problem halved. <laughs> There's some value in that, but maybe temporarily, it's not a solution. It's salve, snake oil, a Band-Aid, not a cure. Yes, negative emotions do whip up inside us, and in time, if we continue to live that way, it can seem like they've become sort of a heavy load. It hurts. We get weary. Life is beating us up. There's a temptation to try and lighten that. But we never can, and you know why? Because you're thinking of it the wrong way. 
You don't understand what you're dealing with. So you seek wrong solutions to the pain. And one of the wrong solutions is to treat resentments as if it were something that you store up inside. Memories. Yes, of course, we get memories, but memories aren't the problem. I already told you, it's the resentment. It's the negative force. It coalesces into emotions. Thinking does it. Resentment isn't something that we collect and keep in a sack like stones. I, that's what I wanted to talk about today. Undoubtedly, you heard this concept. Resentment within doesn't pool. It doesn't collect. The intensification of bitterness that we feel is not cumulative. Yes, the pain escalates, but that comes from an expanding self that grows. It becomes nourished by the negative emotions, by hate. That's its food. The fatter it gets, the more selfish we are. And the more God calls us back, the more the anxiety. That's the conflict between what we are and the inflated self that we're becoming. That's the source of the discomfort, the anxiety. In other words, well, one way of saying it is God gets louder. Come back to me, he says. Anxiety will save your life. The idea that if you could just get rid of your emotional rocks stored up in some imaginary backpack, that your burden would be lighter and life would become easier to bear. Not true. Not true. It's a cute thought, but it's just a metaphor. Probably conceived by someone who didn't understand the metaphysics of love and hate and humanity. Memories do not store resentment energy per se, but they can trigger the coalescence of anger. It comes out of, it seems to come out of thin air, out of the universe. Heaps of negative emotional energy feed an ego entity that lives inside every person. The more it's fed, the greater the self-centeredness and misery. So letting go isn't a bad term, but it's most accurately described as allowing the temptation toward willfulness to fall away, to disengage from the intellectual stream, cutting off the food supply, cutting off the resentment, and not struggling to be rid of it, and not encouraging them if they happen to be happy thoughts. That can be a problem too. The act of letting go is really... Letting go of the will that struggles. Stop struggling. And there's a way to do that. And that's what we talk about here. And this is not a, uh, this is not a, this is not a colon radio show. But I need to talk about it. And I need you to write in questions. I need stimulation <laughs> right now. Dan, would you come and add a log to the fire here? The reason I brought up the idea of dropping the rock, right? Because someone said, I first heard that concept, uh, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, something like that. Okay. And um, I was talking to this fellow and he, he told me that someone had told him that he had to drop the rock. And I said, well, what do you mean by drop the rock? And apparently he was having some sort of difficulties in business or something and people were, or, or with, uh, with his boss or something. I'm not, I don't remember exactly. But he was having difficulty with a relationship with someone in authority over him, and he had terrible resentments toward that person. And he was walking around, he was feeling miserable. He didn't understand why he was so miserable. So someone had given him the advice, I don't know if it was a psychiatrist or a psychologist or something, or AA sponsor or something like that. And someone had told him, oh, you got to drop the rock, man. You got to drop the rock. So he started telling me, I got to drop the rock. I got to drop the rock. I said, what the hell are you talking about? He wanted to... 
sort of willfully just get rid of this animus that he had building up inside of him. He felt was building up inside of him. But I animosity, yes. Animosity. What I say? Animus. Is that a word? I don't know. Oh, we'll have to look that one up. Get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. Get rid of to get rid of it. And it seemed to, it kind of made sense to me, but over time, it kind of makes sense. It kinda, it does make sense. But I'm saying, what is this? Does he really think that he's carrying around the anger more and more and more? And as I began to grow and I began to see things, because I'm continually growing and seeing things. I began to realize that the pain doesn't come from the emotion. The pain is coming because you're you absorb that resentment. You absorb it and, and you become engorged with it, and you your self develops. Your ego becomes puffed up with it and become prideful. Okay, you see, and you run off of that. That's the energy, or it runs off of it. That's its energy. But right. you're attached to it. You don't know whether it's you or it. You don't even know that the it exists. He made it seem, if he could just get this person out of his life and escape the situation, that he would be able to drop the rock. But it's a willful dropping. It's a willful getting rid of something. A willful dropping? Okay. <laughs> that doesn't sound very good. No. I had a dog that had a problem with that one time. Better than an unwilling dropping. Anyway. <laughs> but I've come to see over the years that that's just simply not true. What happens is people... People get caught up with a memory of people and things and situations that's upset them. And they don't know how to let go of the resentment. They think that they need to let go of the, the emotion that ev that's evoked when they become resentful. And so if they can get rid of the thing that stimulates the emotion inside of them, that brings in the resentment, that they will be less emotional and then they, that they would feel better, but that's not going to work. That's not going to happen. They have to not be affected by the resentment in the first place so that the anxiety doesn't arrive in the second place because the anxiety is the result of the resentment getting inside. The anxiety is the punishment, so to speak. Okay, Religions talk about punishment. I usually don't use that word. Let's call it the wages of sin, which is playing God. Okay. And when you play God, you wind up in pain. You wind up in anxiety. Yeah. That's God calling you back. Well, that's guilt. That's Well, yeah, that's guilt. Can you explain your problem with the phrase dropping the rock? I mean, I, I don't particularly like it, but I'm not sure I quite understand where you're differentiating between that and um, and actually letting go of yes. resentment. Well, what happens is when people feel uncomfortable and they feel discomfort, they feel that it is their own... They feel that they are uncomfortable with their anger, but they're not uncomfortable with their anger because then they'll go from one side and this is where they get confused because they realize, oh my God, I'm loving this anger. Oh my God, I'm loving this resentment. I'm loving this judgment of other people. And then they feel pain and they think that that's the anger that's making them feel the pain. It's not. It's the guilt. Right. From it's God's judgment is what it is. Okay. Judging judgment upon it inside of them, which feeds off of that. Which right. feeds off of the resentment, you see. So what they—that's why they get confused because they're like, "Oh, I love, I, I love." People love judging other people. Yeah, you see. Yeah, but then they feel pain from it, so it's confusing. Right. So they feel, well, let me just get rid of it altogether. But you can't get rid of it because the temptation is always there. So if the temptation gets in and turns into resentment, yourself feeds off of that. That's the energy that it lives off of. It has no life of its own. It lives off of that. 
the negative energy. It's playing God in you. Mm -hmm. People want to get rid of that pain. That's the anxiety that comes from playing God. You see? So they they confuse that with the actual emotion itself. It's not the emotion. It's it's the result of the emotion. Right. So it's the people who think that if they just were angry less of the time, they'd be happier. Right. So that's when they get into anger management. Right. Or, and and or yoga positive. and all that. Well, yoga is <laughs> like drinking. Right? Yeah. Yoga is drugs. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that. But when you do when you things when you do things that physically produce running, right? Running is a drug. Run, yeah, runner's high. Runner's high, right. endorphins. Well, that's what happens when you we, we do um we do Krav Maga. Yes. Right? Okay. Before we Krav Maga is uh Israeli martial arts, right. basically. Right. To it's, summarize it in, it in a few words. If you know what mixed martial arts is, this is a variety of that. It's it's for self defense. The IDF uses it in Israel, um, so we we started learning it. Actually, we should probably talk about that one day. Um, anyway, before we do our drills, right, we do stretching. Yes. Right? So do you ever stretch? So I usually stretch because I've been having problems with my hamstrings and stuff. So I stretch my hamstrings, right, and I get that. Now, you ever, you ever get that, like, it's almost like a nice buzz off of a nice stress, stretch? You ever feel that? I guess I've never been like really into it though. No, you don't get into it, but you yeah. get a nice big stretch. Yeah, sure. Sometimes a yawn and a stretch is actually, you get a, like a little yeah. jolt of pleasure. I guess I know what you mean. Well, that's a high. Yeah. That's a high. Your body is actually stretching. You're stretching the muscles and these endorphins are coming to rush and endorphins, you know what endorphins are. Okay. And sure. end, endo, right? With the, inside the body. Yeah. And morphine, <laughs> morphine. Right? So your body is producing morphine. Okay. Okay. The same morphine that a drug addict would take. Okay. To get rid of pain. So that gives you a sense of well-being. It gives you a sense of pleasure, really, you know, co coursing through your body and you feel good. Okay. That's what happens when people, uh, what was I saying before? Yoga. Oh yeah. That's what, <laughs> yoga. That's what happens when people do yoga. They feel good. Yeah. But they feel good because they have a need to feel good because they don't because they feel bad. And the bad is the guilt, it's the anxiety. So people feel relaxed after yoga. But it's it's artificial. Well, you're combining that with uh with a mental state as well. Well, yes, because they come very and, and, and getting into your thoughts. Yes. They tend to become very um suggestible. Yeah. Under yoga, because yoga is very hypnotic too. Mm -hmm. You know. Now that doesn't mean you can't stretch. No, I stretch all <laughs> no. the time. But if you, you shouldn't to... abuse the stretch. Right, you should stretch. Yoga is abusing stretching. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, just like people can abuse running and thoughts. It's abusing stretching and thoughts at the same time. And thinking, positive thinking can do that too. Positive thinking. Yep. Um, giving yourself a pat on the back. Yeah, to try and get rid of their anger. Right. So people struggle to get rid of it. So in the struggle to get rid of it, they will seek out all kinds of things. They will seek out concepts and drop the rock. Yeah. Seems like something that they can unload this, 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 this pain that they have inside them. Yeah. The source of the pain, if they get rid of the source of the pain, the pain doesn't stop. Right. Because it's the anxiety for having indulged in it and in the emotion in the first place is where the discomfort is coming from. Right. So that keeps coming. So, so in other words, let's say, um, Oh, let's say a married couple. They get married for the wrong reason, and then they wind up hating each other, which they already hated each other, which is why they got married in the first place, but that's another story. Yeah. So they wind up hating each other, and then, but they can't stand it. They can't stand each other after a while. The contempt just builds, right? So they get a divorce. 
and they go and they go their separate ways. Well, they still hate each other. They've eliminated the person out of their lives, but the memory of it keeps coming back. Yes. The memory evokes the anxiety for playing God within them, and it never goes away. So they've eliminated the person, but the pain doesn't go away. Right. You understand? I And you see people talking about their divorces and their ex-husbands and ex-wives. Oh, we, we remain civil. Yes, we, right. We, you know, we see each other once a few times a month. And, yeah. you know, he- hello, how are you, Jan? I'm good, Mike. Thank you. Right. It was an amicable separation. Yes, an amicable separation. We I are would... civil. Right. Speaking Congratulations. Of, speaking of that, by the way, that's when uh, when I get, you know, I speak to a lot of people who have uh, relationship problems. Yeah. And with the guys, it's usually, uh, very often, it's they've gotten dumped <laughs> by, by some girl. Yeah, I, I saw one real messed up. Uh, Facebook share the other day that people were sharing because you, people share things when it makes them feel good when they think it's a wonderful story, especially girls right. share things like that. Oh, isn't this great? You know, isn't this lovely? Isn't right. this beautiful? And it was a long post about a guy who every year on Mother's Day or on uh, on his ex-wife's birthday or whatever it was, he gets up early and he goes over to her house and uh, meets with their kids who live with the mother and helps them make her pancakes for breakfast in bed and shows He's the father of the kids? He's the father, but he's divorced from the mother. That's his contribution and to his the contribution raising, oh is he makes to show to, And the, the point was, be a positive uh, influence on your children. Show them <laughs> what that you can still love and, and all this stuff. It's like going over to your ex-wife's house, making your pancakes on he's Mother's just, he's, Day. He's the pancake man. What are you? Yeah, what, what a sad he's existence. Not a dad. That's not a father. No, that's not a father. No, that's awful. That's terrible. You're just me. confusing the kids, too. Well, you know. It's like, I, why aren't you, it's like, you're coming over, why aren't you living here? Yeah. You know, you're my dad. Well, the worst thing that happens is when a mother then hooks up with another guy and there's another pair of pants in the house. Right. The kids know what's going on. Yeah. Even when they're young. Yeah. They will hate that guy and they will hate the father for abandoning them. There's right. no smart. There's no stack of pancakes big enough to overcome. Yeah. That. Nothing. Yeah. Not even real maple syrup. Speaking of pancakes, yes, I am on the hunt for actual maple syrup, like the really good stuff, right. which I'm going to buy on Amazon. Right. Right. Um, sugar, pure sugar. Yes, because I, 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 come on, we haven't had pancakes in years, or I haven't anyway. I don't know. I haven't. I can't remember the last right. time. Right. So I, I want to buy what used to be grade B or grade C or whatever it is is now. Uh, it's all great. They they've recategorized. It's all grade A, but the super, I think it's like super dark, strong flavor is what I want now. I've never had like Vermont maple syrup or anything like that. Okay, so this is the extent of your substance abuse. You're about <laughs> to abuse maple syrup. Is that what you're saying? No, it's not what I'm saying. My poor son, you'll have to go to a twelve step program for <laughs> pancakes anonymous. No. It's not something we do all the time. Anyway. No, I know. I mean, that would be the same concept as never stretching because you might feel good afterward. Yeah, right. So you can't. You well, can't avoid. It. We're not Buddhists or uh, or what Shaolin monks or whatever. Who 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 do that? Do that stuff? Who do who do that? <laughs> who do that? Who who like just stay in caves and never? Oh, monks, never experience life because yeah. they're too afraid of. Oh, there are all kinds of orders that do that. Being sex, happy, sex that do that. Monks yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Catholics. They're within. Even Franciscans will do that. Yeah, they'll isolate themselves. Yeah. From, no, from you don't life. need to isolate yourself. No. Well, you you won't grow if you don't. If you that's what we were talking about in in today's monologue. Right. If you isolate yourself from the stresses of the world, you don't grow. Right. A lot of people think that you know they will. Um, one good analogy is uh, is a flower. Right. I I I seem to recall reading that somewhere 
where flower growing in a field, right? It grows toward the sun and yeah. it grows, they say, in spite of the hail and the rain and the elements and it grows in spite of all that and it keeps growing. Yep. Well, that's not true. It doesn't grow in spite of it. It grows because of it. Okay. It stops growing if there is no stress for it. Yeah. It grows against it. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, we were just talking about uh, mom earlier today, mm-hmm. how she's almost relearning how to do things in her life. Right. She's doing things and we're talking about it and you're like, you're like, it's like she's 20 years old. It's like she's doing this. It's like we're we're thinking about it like it's the first time she's doing In a way it is because right. she's doing it the right way. Right. She's growing from the experience instead of suffering because of it. As simple as- That's correct. You know, going on a trip, coming back. Oh, how was your trip? Yes, I'm fine. It was great. And I survived. I mentally survived the trip. Right. It's like, even though she's she's older now, can I say her age? 60 years old. Yeah, you can say uh, She's doing these things as if it's her first time because it's because it is really her first time doing it right. Right. And that's a big deal. That's right. So what happened, if, in case anybody's interested in what we're talking about here, um, Nancy's mom died yesterday morning. Uh, she passed away and uh, she was how old? Oh, in her 80s. In her 80s. Yeah. Yeah. 80. She wasn't quite 90 though. I don't know exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, and she was ill and she had, uh, she's had issues, you know, heart issues and things for a very long time. Anyway. Uh, she passed away yesterday morning, and Nancy has to uh, go down to Florida. We're going to stay here, but Nancy has to go down and handle the arrangements and the funeral and all that sort of thing. So she's got to go down to Florida, and we live way up north. And she's got to she's got to go to Boston and catch a plane and fly down to Orlando and then rent a car and then you know drive an hour, drive you know from Orlando over to over to uh, to the town where they live in, where they where she lived in. And take care of things and basically bury her mother. And then she's got to come back to the airport and fly back home, come into Boston and get back down to uh, Cape Cod where we belong. Where we belong. Get, <laughs> get, get, we don't belong here. Oh, God. Get back to Cape Cod where we live. And I think there's some psychological distress you just hinted at through that <laughs> yeah. misspeak. Okay. And she's got to come back here. Now, we were saying the other day, well, she can do that. Well, of course she can do it. She's 60 years old. Yeah. She's 60, right? Is she 60? I think so. Or 61. God, I don't even know how old my wife is. Um, I think married, she's 60. Married 40 years. So we're talking about her like, oh, like 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 she's a 19-year-old girl about to uh, about to leave home for the first time or something. Yeah. You know, of course she can do it. She has done it in the past already. So she's done that. She's made that trip uh, before. So it's not really a big deal. But we're talking about her like, like, like oh, she'll be okay. We shouldn't even be... Considering whether she'll be okay or not, of course she's going to be okay. Yeah. But like you said, she's doing a lot of things for the first time. You know, your mother has sections of her life, pieces of time that are totally gone, missing. And she never abused drugs. She never abused alcohol. You mean she's forgotten them? She is totally forgotten. And it's not her first time doing these things. It's her first time doing it from an awakening. Correct. Oh, she's done amazing things. What people would term as being amazing things in business and- work and career and everything when we lived in New York. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is the first time she's doing it awake and aware and conscious, you know? So it's very different. Her motivations are different. Watching the resentment for my grandmother. Correct. Um, her mother. Correct. Yeah. Uh, things like that. Right. So, which everyone has that with their parents, you know? Yeah, but you haven't really done it the first time until you've, until you've done it right. Correct. You know? And then that's when it's like, oh, I got through this experience. Right. So if she comes back and survives and she comes back whole and 
she's not emotionally disturbed, she will have uh, passed the test, her own test. It's a personal test. We're not testing her. Yes. Okay. Would you like to answer a question? I'll give it a shot. Depends on how good it is. We get some pretty good questions lately. This question is from Maggie. Hi, Maggie. I know this sounds judgmental of me. I have a friend who is extremely over-emotional. Not great morals. She's a supportive friend, but it gets annoying to hear her angry outbursts and screeching complaints. What's funny is it doesn't bother me when I keep up the meditation or spiritual readings. I just don't like to hear people say, don't be around toxic people. That sounds like, oh, just dump a friend and carry on with my life. My question is, should I be pointing these things out to her or just keep doing what I'm doing now, which is let her be herself? In other words, don't be corrective. Right, right. Well, she's, I mean, Maggie's friend is not perfect, right? Sounds far from perfect to me. Yeah, so, okay. <laughs> but no one's perfect. None of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. So it's an imperfect world. I We have to live in it. I mean, calling someone or something toxic for their imperfections uh, is kind of, it can often be going overboard. Yes. However, uh, in my experience, as somebody who has, I don't want to say many friends, but I'm, I'm, in, I'm younger. Yeah. So friendships are very different at my age than they are at your age. Um, so, and especially through texting and Snapchat and Facebook, I mean, you're in communication with people all the time. Right. And um, friendships that become too pervasive mm-hmm. and you find that they are uh, affecting your mental state or, or, or distracting you and affecting you negatively, that is a time when you want to be like, hmm, this person is not is not being healthy with me right now. Right. Well, what's happening is- Versus somebody who's just crazy and it doesn't really affect you. But you see, Maggie resents her. That's the problem. Maggie resents her, can't speak up to her, and she knows that that's probably wrong. Right. So it's the same thing. It's a phenomenon that happens between parents and children, right? Parents are become overly permissive and they can't correct their children and the children wind up spoiled brats. Yeah. Let's say, to oversimplify it. They can't speak up to them. Why? Because they resent them. They're not dealing with the resentment for their own children correctly. And the resentment could be coming from the children also because of whatever reasons that children resent sure. their parents. So there's an exchange going back and forth and they can't speak up to each other. That's when you have families who are very phony and superficial and everybody hates each other, but they get along and you know they, they have big family gatherings and every, everyone eventually might wind up drunk and hitting each other <laughs> over the head or, yeah. or something or just arguing. There are a lot of families like that, but also they become overly nice to each other. So they can't correct them. The reason that they can't correct them is because they need their approval. And the reason they need their approval is to compensate really for the anger that they have toward them. Right. So they can't do it. So they can't speak up. And that makes them feel worse. So she's probably wondering whether or not she she knows that she should be, if she's going to be a true friend that she really loves. If Maggie really loves her friend, which she doesn't, but if she did, she would tell her the truth, but she can't tell her the truth. Because if she tells her the truth, she'll lose her approval. Yeah. So Maggie needs to get over anger first. When you get over anger, you're able to deal with people properly. Right. Friends do things wrong. It's not always your place to correct them. In my no, no, you can't run around. You can't run around telling everybody they're no. wrong about no. stuff. But like I said, when it gets to the point where she's sucking energy off you. Mm-hmm. or uh, abusing your your time and, and your friendship, then you, you have to speak up 
for yourself. Yeah, you have so to people do up. that, especially girls. Girls are always love-hate relationships right. with their friends. They hate their friends. And then, oh, it's so good to see you. Oh, my God, I haven't seen you in so long. Oh, I hate that bitch <laughs> behind their back. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Well, that's, that kind of phoniness is a lot of a lot of people are very phony. Yeah. And uh, when it comes to relationships that way, for some reason, women seem to be more than others. Mm-hmm. That's Well, they judge their friend and then they want their approval. Right. Like you said. Yep. And it creates a, basically a fake friendship. And we know, what, that's, we know friendship. what that some reason is, but it's a big topic we're not going to get into right now. But women, women girls, you're phonies. You're a bunch yeah. of phonies. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, anyway, but Maggie. If you're not, and if you know what, if you're not judging her, you're going to know whether or not it's the right thing to do to speak up. Yeah. Because you'll know. Because sometimes be, it's not, and sometimes it is. You'll be clear. You'll just intuitively know. Right. But what she said, she she made it seem like they could be serious things. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. she said she was immoral. Right. Right. So she had right. a, Maggie, Maggie's friend has a, has a morality problem. Right. And what that probably means is she's probably sexual mm-hmm. or she's abusing substances. That's yeah. usually what it means. Yeah. Um, and Maggie disapproves. So if Maggie expresses her disapproval to her friend, she'll lose the approval. And Maggie needs the approval. Maggie, step back. Watch your disappointment in your friend, the disappointment for your friend. And let that go, as it were. But you can't let it go unless you're awake, unless you're conscious. So keep. You can also be aware of the need for approval. Once you're aware of the need for approval, you can. Because that tips you off too. Oh, you know, why you, do I need that? Well, you can see oh. that about yourself, and yeah. then and then you, what happens is when you see it, that reveals to you why you're that way, and then you can repent. And then it's easy to not give into it. Actually, no, you don't give into it then. Yeah, it's automatic. Yeah. There's nothing to give into at that point. No. Because it's gone. It doesn't affect you anymore. Right. And then you can speak up to your friend. And if your friend runs away, then she wasn't really your friend anyway. Right. Okay. All right. Anything else? Yeah. I want to say we need more questions. Submit your questions. Schwarzhoffmedia.com slash podcast. There's a form there. Submit questions. Any kind of question you want. Okay. So that's it for today. Join us again next time. Thanks for listening. See you later. Bye. Bye.